Jeanette are back. Um, your hosts today are Jer. Hey guys. And I'm Dorothy. And I wanted to give us a little bit of a chance to kind of regroup and start over on this podcast, right? It's been a while, so yeah. we need a refresher. Yeah. So um, in today's episode, we're going to discuss um, the new format of our podcast, things that we'll be covering, and we're going to be introducing a special series that's coming to our podcast. Yes, and we're excited about yeah. it. But before we get started in that, I would love for us, Dare and I, to give a little bit about ourselves. <laughs> so Dare, where do you work within the public library system? So I've been here officially a full year over here at Bogue Banks, over at Bogue Banks. So I've been here the whole time for the past year. I've definitely loved being here. My patrons here are definitely so glad that we are here and back open, especially after the COVID right. pandemic, that right. we are completely open full time. So, yes. including those wonderful Saturdays. And yes. 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 Why don't you go ahead and say what the hours are for both banks? So, both banks, we are open Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, um, from. 8 30 9 9 9 to 5 45 and then thursdays we're open from 10 30 to 7. yeah so that's your late night is thursday yep just one night a week so yeah very good um so and i'm dorothy and my brief history with the carter county public library system was um, I was hired in as the branch manager for our Newport location. Yep. Um, worked there and absolutely loved it. And um, when our director left recently, I applied for the job and I was actually selected. So I'm now the current director for the and library. We are system. so happy that you are working in that position. I appreciate it. I love it. I love everything there is to about libraries and I love this library system. Yes. I can't wait to see where it goes. It's just going to be awesome. Um, so the podcast. So we're going to we're going to try to make a little bit of focus in the podcast for our programming cuz guess yes. what? We're back. Yeah, we are back in full swing making sure that we are providing programs to our patrons. Yes, so. in-person programming. Um, all of our libraries have been doing in-person programming since the beginning of June of this year. Um, we kicked that off with summer reading programming. Yes. And we have continued to offer different programs at our library yep. system. Um, we wanted to highlight a couple of them today. Um, there's one happening down east. It's called the Straw Loom Adult program. Yep. And that's taking place when? Uh, 4 p.m. on uh, the 15th of this month. Fabulous. And then Bogue Banks is going to be yes. having something we special. We are going to be doing a pumpkin pie soap. So you'll make your own soap that's obviously tis the season pumpkin pie right. season. Um, that'll be on the 17th of this month. Um, you can call or come in person to sign up. Um, it's a limited time, so make sure you go ahead and put those um, requests, in. requests in because they are definitely going to go fast. Um, this weekend, specifically, we have a special program. Um, it's not happening at both banks. It's happening at three of our other branches. It's a craft supply swap. 
So all week long, people had been bringing their extra craft supplies, those ones that just lay around the house. Because you have no use for them or you've just given up. Who knows? <laughs> Whatever the case may be, yeah. you've got it lying around and it hasn't been used. Right. So this is a way to move it out of your house. Um, so you bring it up to the library and you get a ticket. The libraries that are doing this are, are Beaufort, Western, and Newport branches um, because of their space ability. Yes. And um, so they, people, patrons will bring stuff in, drop it off at the desk, and then on Saturday all day you come back with your lovely ticket and you can pick up new whatever, supplies. whatever right. you need and and whatever you want. Right. So it's a just a good community service to those that do craft. Right. And then what's left, um, it'll go two ways. Um, the library people will have an option to go through everything and pick yep. things that they need for their upcoming programs. Yes. And then the rest of the supplies, we're going to be contacting some of the preschools and elementary schools around in the area that could yes. possibly use those supplies oh, and see if they're available to them. So the supplies will get put to good use. Yeah. Um, but we would love for the public to come in and be able to pick some supplies up. I yeah. mean, start those holiday crafting classics. Oh, yeah. Um, another thing that's going to be happening are our movies. So yep. movies are new in the library. They system. are, and they've been doing really well. Um, upcoming, uh, Newport has a kids movie going on, and they'll be featuring the new movie, Bad Guys. Yeah. Um, is there a date on that? It's on Monday, I think it's 4, so this coming up Monday yeah. at 4. I believe it's at 4. Double check our calendar to make sure the time. Yes. And then here at Bogue Banks, on the 10th of this month, we're doing a movie date night for adults, and we're going to be featuring Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, what a fabulous movie, It right? is such a good movie, and that will be at 4 p.m. So here's the debate right now. If <laughs> Derek doesn't know, I'm going to ask this, book or movie? Both. Really? Yes. I was all book. <laughs> I, well, for me personally, this is the first movie in a very long time that I've seen that really sticks to the book. Gotcha. And that's why I really enjoyed it. I cried the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> cried. But it was a very good movie. Yeah, I, I will agree. give it, I will recommend it to yeah, anybody. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm a book person. <laughs> all the way. It's okay. <laughs> yes. Great note. Yes. Um, another one that's happening is at our Western Carteret branch, they're going to be making mini wall hangings. So we're all into the macrame, right? Everybody's yes, into the macrame and yep. all the school wall hangings. Well, they are going to be making a mini version of this. this Which is, is great. Right. It's open for all ages. So this nice. is not just for adults. This is for kids. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, they're doing that on the 15th at 4. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. And another really, I think this is very timely. It's going to be happening down east. Um, Rebecca was able to get the North Carolina Co-op to come and host a program about what to do with our winterization of our garden and yard. Which is really good because yeah. it's time to start going ahead and putting your plants out, exactly. doing your gardening stuff. Exactly. Because you really need to start right about right. now. Right. And this session is going to be covering the the best practices for that. They're going to be doing soil testing. 
um, and how an amendment for spring and how to do that, what to prune now and how, and then he's going to have an open Q&A. Um, this program is going to take place uh, November the 8th at 5.30. There's no sign-up. Just come and be a part of this program. It's going to be a lot of great information that's oh, yeah. there. Um, the last big program that we're going to talk about is the Titanic program. Yeah. Because that was such a big yeah. hit this summer. It was. It was huge. So for those that don't know, we had um, Dr. Melinda Ratchford come um, and do a program with us on the Titanic yes. this summer. And she basically followed a family. Um, I think it was two different kinds of families. It was a third class and a first class, I believe, family. From why they got in the boat, where what it was like yeah. on the boat, um, did they make it off the boat, yeah. all that stuff. Just told their story in great story format. That's good. Though. And it was such a huge hit, and she hinted there's a part two. Wonderful. And, and I know a lot of people are going to want to know absolutely. what's coming up, absolutely. what's going to happen, what else can we learn about it. Because right. Titanic is a big historical event. Absolutely. And a lot of people are just fascinated with right. the whole dynamic of what went wrong, how was this huge boat that was supposed to be unsinkable right. sink. Just by hitting an iceberg. Yeah. And the tiniest of icebergs. Yeah. <laughs> just sink. Why? Yeah. Why? We those. Um, but she's going to be here November the 17th and she's going to be giving two presentations. Yes. Um, she's going to be redoing part one. Um, it'll be at Beaufort at noon, and then at Western Carteret, she's going to be doing part two at yeah. 5.30 that night. And that'll be great. So if you're into the Titanic, just save the 17th. Just spend your whole day with her. She's yeah. amazing. She has so, she does a great job of telling the story, but she also has amazing artifacts that she brings with her. That's super cool, because right. it really brings that story to life. Right, and this is going to be a all ages. It's really for teens and above, but little kids can come along um, just so there's a lot of talking. So yeah. Just <laughs> be prepared. Just be prepared with <laughs> snacks. Right? Yes, right? <laughs> we all know you bribe kids with snacks. Absolutely, <laughs> you do. Okay. Um, so, moving on to our next topic. We have a staff member who is going to do a special series for us. Yes. And it's going to be a couple of installments. So this first one, it coincides with the 300th anniversary of Carteret County. Um, Anthony, he's doing this as a project. So this is to go towards him getting his library degree. Absolutely. So I think it's really awesome that he's able to do this. And like I said, it's great that he's doing one that coincides with right. our anniversary. Exactly. So he is going to be doing um, different segments about the history of Carteret County and how Carteret County has come about. Yes. Um, so just a brief summary because AKA, if you didn't know this, Dorothy is not from Carteret County. Yes. <laughs> Dorothy is from Mississippi. <laughs> no. So I'm new here and I'm learning along with everybody else on this podcast. Um, Carter County was formed in 1722, and it was actually originally a part of Craven County. It was. Um, and our county became known because of the um, the fishing and having that port there. Yes, because we are definitely a fishing community, Absolutely. and we were also a farming community as well. Right. So Carter County 
for a long time didn't have any educational system. Right. So they were, all of the kids were just put out to a farm and tend to whatever they needed to yeah. do to help the family. Yep, farm and fish. Fish was a big thing. Um, and Beaufort actually became the Carteret um, County seat, and it's actually the third oldest town in North Carolina. Yep. Third oldest. We've been here yes. forever. We, we really have. We've, We've been, been here since have. the beginning, right? Yes. <laughs> um, so today, Anthony is going to have Ben Wonderly from the Maritime Museum come in, and he's going to interview him about the history of, of the beginning history of the county and the history of the museum. Yeah. So we're going to let Anthony take it away. Hello, and welcome back to the Carteret County Public Library podcast. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Benjamin Runderly, the education curator at the North Carolina Maritime Museum. At this museum, found on Front Street in Beaufort, you can find a lot of artifacts and information about the history of Carteret County. But the museum itself is an artifact of sorts, with its own storied past. And Ben is here today to tell us all about that. Uh, my name is Benjamin Wonderly. I'm the education curator at the North Carolina Maritime Museum in Beaufort. I've been working at the Maritime Museum in Beaufort here for 10 years and you know one interesting topic to me is the history of that museum itself. A lot of people don't know about it. I've been to the museum when I first moved here. That was actually one of the first things I did was stop by the museum and Good. It's, it's a small little place, but it was very interesting. Yeah, we cram a lot in there. <laughs> There's a lot to cover. Um, you know, our mission statement is the North Carolina Maritime Museum in Beaufort focuses on the history, culture, and environment of coastal North Carolina. Um, we have two other museum sites, one in Southport down in Brunswick County and one up on Hatteras Island that's known as the Graveyard, the Atlantic Museum. Um, so they have their focuses and our focus uh, it covers the whole coast, but you know, we try to make sure that we've got some Carteret County and Beaufort-centric you know, relevance, of course. So that museum's been there for like a really long time by my understanding. Yes. Um, you know what, I can give you like some background on the formation of it, the, yeah, the early years of the museum. And it, and it really started more as a collection of specimens, if you will, limited number of artifacts. And these were things that were collected locally in the waters around Beaufort and in Carteret County. And the people that were collecting them were actually marine scientists, marine biologists. And they were studying the marine life, um, the, the aquatic life that's found in our uh, estuaries, uh, you know, the, the brackish uh, rivers and sounds, and then along the ocean uh, immediate um, coast there. And they were actually with the U.S. Fish Commission so these were scientists and biologists that were working for the federal government, and they were collecting you know, different types of crustaceans, different types of uh, mollusks like uh, shells um, from marine snails, whelks, conchs, stuff like that. And they were operating at first in the Gibbs house on Front Street. I think there's a historical marker out there actually that talks about that house being rented out to marine scientists. Now, the first biologists to stay there were actually associated with John Hopkins University out of Maryland, and that was in the 1880s. So they eventually left. They were, they were being rented out rooms from this house to do their research. They, the I don't know if 
why they left. Maybe their funding fell through or something, or maybe they moved on to somewhere else. But the the Federal Fisheries Bureau got interested in cataloging and and you know, learning about the marine life of the area. So they started renting rooms from that same house, and that's kind of where the collection that became the Maritime Museum started. It wasn't officially open, you know, as a museum or anything like that, and they didn't even really have that intent. And it wasn't until about 1902 that that idea came to fruition. And that is when a building was completed on Pivers Island, which is you know, right across the water from the, the Beaufort downtown area there to the west. So that was a, a U.S. Fish Commission building, brand new, opened up in 1902 with the intent to conduct research on the marine and aquatic specimens in the area, but as well to house a fisheries museum. And that was how it was described, a, a fishery museum to teach people about the types of fish and animals and aquatic organisms that are found in this area. Uh, now, the lab that was there operated year-round. The museum component of it, the museum aspect of it, if you will, was just seasonal. People were vacationing and coming to spend time here on the coast for many years and to the mid-19th century, maybe even earlier than that. So around the early part of the 20th century, the early 1900s, it wasn't a big deal to have tourists coming to Beaufort. You know, we still do it today. But in that time period, there wasn't much available to them uh, as far as, you know, shops and attractions. It was more going swimming, you know, enjoying the cool sea breezes, going sailing, maybe doing some fishing and such like that. Uh, well, there were times where if the weather was bad, they could go on over to this fisheries museum on Pirates Island and, and see what was happening. The research, they had live specimens kept in aquariums and tanks. And... They got to learn a little bit about the animals and, and plants that were found you know, in, in the marine environment. Uh, they had displays of fish mounts, uh, sharks, rays, shells on display. But as well, those scientists were there doing their research and their work. So that's kind of really how it all started. Now, there's a lot that transpired between 1902 and 2022. <laughs> because um, we're talking over 100 years here, uh, and I can go you know, into that oh, yeah. s- story if you'd yeah, like to hear do. that. Sure. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of keep rolling with mm-hmm. um, you know, where, where I was. Uh, and and they op- this fisheries museum, it operated in that lab on Pyra's Island up through the 1940s, late 1940s. And, I mean, there's even advertisements in the local newspapers like promoting this museum people could go and see what was going on but it got to a point where the biologists and the scientists were kind of getting annoyed that these tourists kept coming in and wanting and were bothering them and interrupting them and saying what are you working on hey what's this can you tell me about that or i found this thing on bird shoals the other day what is this (laughs) and the scientists had kind of had enough and they were like okay look you guys are welcome to come to this part of the building and look at the displays and the some aquarium tanks, but back here in this section, we're working and leave us alone kind of thing <laughs> is what happened. Um, so, you know, that that's how it was. That's how it operated. But there was a time period during uh, World War II where things kind of slowed down and they actually closed down the facility. 
there and I think they just had a few temporary people that were just kind of like keeping an eye on things and making sure the you know things weren't going into disrepair so by the time in the late 40s in 1950 they're they're kind of back up and running but the fisheries bureau and the federal government is kind of thinking you know we don't really want to be in the business of a museum with aquarium tanks and displays that's not really what we're what we're interested in. We want to do more research. We want to figure out how, how to sustain fish populations for seafood production and, and learn about different properties of organisms. The, the, the ideas can be used in creating all kinds of technologies or, or advancements in, in whatever um, they needed for probably, probably mostly like military purposes. But um, you know, that's kind of a whole separate story. So the museum component was like, what do we do with this? These mm-hmm specimens and, and they had acquired a few type of artifact things some some fishing implements and fishing rods and gear that was used in collecting fish or harvesting fish uh, from the water so uh, anyway they said well we could send it over to Fort Macon you know, this time Fort Macon was already a state park the earliest operating state park um, it wasn't the first piece of land acquired for a state park but it was the earliest like actual mm-hmm. operating one so they said, well, we could send it over there. People already go over to Fort Macon to view the old, you know, historic brick structure, and then they can look at this stuff. But then at the time, they, they didn't really know exactly what to do with it. But, but people with the state realized its importance, and they actually said, you know what, we, we can move it to Moorhead City. And there's a facility there, the North Carolina Department of Conservation and Development, that would eventually become the department that had North Carolina Marine Fisheries in it. They said, we have a spot here in Moorhead City where we can house this collection and we can open it up seasonally and people could come view it. And so it ended up over there, what the area is referred to as like Camp Glen. The Marine Fisheries Building is there now. The Institute of Marine Sciences, UNC Chapel Hills Marine Science Building is there, but it's been many things in the past. So they felt that they, they could keep it there and it was like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, yeah, but it it was open for about a year, then funding kind of fell through, and it's always so, the case, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so it was a, it was kind of a, a a rough, you know, fits of you know stop and go with this idea of this museum. There were supporters. Um, a prominent supporter was a fellow from Plymouth, North Carolina, and his name was Roy Wade Hampton, and he was on the the, the Fisheries Commission board. And he felt it was important to have this museum, and he was a big proponent for it. And you know, he pushed legislators to get involved, and they said, "Yeah, you know, we could do this, we could have it." So, because of the funding problems, you know, it was difficult to really get it up and running. And at that time, they said they went through this another period of, "What do we do with it? Where does it go?" And it, and actually, the folks back at the Federal Fisheries Lab were like, "Hey, we'd we'd be glad to take it back." And but the state of North Carolina said, "Well, no, you know, you had your chance. You kind of." We were worried that you wouldn't keep that you know, going and you might take it back now, but then you want to get rid of it later. So they said, well, we're going to make room for it here and it can stay here in Moorhead City. Made it official. The collection was transferred indefinitely from this federal entity, the Fish Commission, to the state of North Carolina. And they opened it up as the Roy Wade Hampton uh, Marine Museum. So if you were to say that today, people would have no idea what you're talking about. Nope. <laughs> it is no real association with you know, North Carolina Maritime Museum. It doesn't seem like it would. And that's what they did uh, because Mr. Hampton was a big supporter of it. You know, that's what they decided to do. And it's, it stayed in Moorhead for 
for a good, let's see, that was in the 50s, so it wasn't until like 1970 that the North Carolina Marine Fisheries really solidified its division there, and they said, we're going to build a new building, and your little fisheries museum with fish mounts and displays and fishing gear is not really welcome anymore, so you're going to have to go find somewhere else. (laughs) Yes, there's a lot of moving around. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's kind of this story of, you know, what's going to happen to this thing. Um, I must say it's impressive that, like, you've kept it going this long. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and, you know, people obviously felt it was important enough that, that, you know, it needed to be somewhere. So, I mean, 1970, this the current building that's over there with the North Carolina Division of Marine Fisheries was built in 1970. So at that point, that's this Roy Wade Hampton Museum collection, Marine Museum collection, needs to go somewhere else. They picked, believe it or not, they picked the spot on Turner Street where the crew wine bar and coffee shop is. That was the museum, that building, that whole building there. It actually first started in half of it, and then they expanded and got the whole thing. So when you're standing there looking at it, when you go in there, you buy your coffee. Yeah, that that used to be the Maritime Museum. Um, that was not, so that was 1970 that it opened up as the the museum, but it had a different name. You know, it was the Roy. It was the Hampton Marine Museum, and people were really confused. They, were, they walked in expecting to see like, you know, artifacts and collections and pictures from the Marine Corps, because it said Marine Museum. Well, the Camp Lejeune Marine Corps base, and you know, eventually the Air Station Cherry Point with the Marine Corps. They assumed that there was just a museum celebrating the United States Marine Corps. Right. And then they walk in there, and it's fish. They were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it is fish and shells and and uh, and all all kinds of sorts of uh, things. You know, at that point, they were starting to collect more of the cultural uh, artifacts from the area, and some of those being. Uh, some items from a particular um, whaling museum that existed. So when you ask some people, yeah, do you know how you know, the Maritime Museum started? Some of the some older folks will def- will go right to the Museum of the Sea that was on the waterfront at Great and Paul Park, across from the old post office, and they'll say, yeah, there was a old Sharpie boat pulled up on the waterfront, and that was how the Maritime Museum started. But that's not true. So. We can set the record straight that, yes, there was a Alfon- the Alfonso, the name of the boat. It was a Sharpie sailing vessel that was pulled up onto the waterfront and turned into a museum. And it was called a Museum of the Sea, um, but it was not the Maritime Museum. <laughs> uh, and people could go tour it. And, and at one point it even had, you know, Whaling Museum on there. Um, but it was, it, it was something completely separate that was actually done by Graydon Paul Sr. And it, it, it didn't last uh, very long. Um, I think it was uh, only there, let's see, 1960 to 19, barely 20 years, 1978. So now some of the things that they had on display there did end up with the Maritime Museum because when that Alfonso sailboat went bye-bye, they took uh, some of that stuff and donated it to the museum. And so some of these, because it was a, the Alfonso Whaling Museum, Museum of the Sea, they had some implements from the old Shackleford Banks whalers that went to the museum. So they had, you know, whale lances and harpoons and the black tripod or the big kettle that the blubber was rendered in. Um, but it all eventually, a lot of it went to the Maritime Museum. So, um, so it's it's there on front. I mean, on Turner Street. 
Um, they're going through some changes. They changed the name to Hampton Mariners Museum instead of Marine Museum. I guess they figured that was a, a little bit of a <laughs> Some people have a better idea of what they're getting into. A little yeah. less confusion. Right, so Mariners as in like, you know, someone of the sea, um, you know, cap sea captains and that type of related thing and, and they be, really begin to expand um, they increase the staff they start to do types of educational programs uh, this is when the wooden boat show comes to exist in 1975 um, we do an annual wooden boat show every every year in the spring uh, the first Saturday in May um, where wooden boats are put on display for people to enjoy uh, some historic uh, vessels that we've repaired some replicas and then Wooden boats that people build at home can enter as well and bring them and put them on display. Now, the first one was in 1975, and it was actually in Moorhead, where, where the museum was for a while, uh, but only because they didn't have anywhere on Front Street to, to do it. Um, but eventually, it would, it would move with the museum. So there, there they are on, on Turner Street, and um, they, they get this opportunity. There's a certain um, widower, Harvey Ward Smith's wife, he had passed away, Harvey Ward Smith had passed away, and that name might not ring a bell, but to some folks it may. He owned a, the uh, fish meal company um, on Gallant's Channel over here where the big high-rise bridge comes in, and it was a Menhaden processing facility. Well, he passed away, and his wife, Evelyn uh, Chadwick Smith, she said, well, I want to donate this land to, to the Maritime Museum, to the Mariner's Museum. And she had some land on, on Front Street. And she said, you, you, you could, this is for you to build a real bona fide maritime museum, but you have to get it done and started on it in four years or I'm taking the land back. <laughs> I think she knew how slow sometimes the state was to, to move and to operate. So um, that was the deal. And you know, at the time, I think there was an old motor company, Paul Motor Company, that was operating there. You know, selling used cars or a repair shop of some sort but so that's how we would end up on front street we'd make that move from turner street to uh, front street and that was in the 1980s the building that we're in now would was completed in 1985 the one with the cedar shake siding and the big the logo on the front with the sailboat and the um, observation deck up on the roof uh so that was built in 1985, and that's when we became the North Carolina Maritime Museum. We, so we went from the Roy Wade Hampton Marine Museum to, well, really the Fisheries Museum on Pivers Island to the Roy Wade Hampton Marine Museum to the Hampton Mariners Museum to just the uh, Mariners Museum and the North Carolina Maritime Museum. Um, and that finally stuck <laughs> and it made more sense, I guess. Um, but that building, uh, was dedicated in, in May of 1985 and shortly thereafter that the property that, that, uh, Ms. Smith donated included a piece on the water side too. And, uh, we, the museum had been operating like a boat building type facility there in the old maintenance or mechanic shop building, the, the, the motor company building. Um, but it, it was so run down that eventually we needed to take that apart and um, tear it down and build a new watercraft center. And that's why it's named for Harvey W. Smith, because it, that was a property came from his, his uh, widow. Um, so they built the watercraft center that you see there, and that was opened in 1991. So some people, more people probably remember that. 
than uh, some of those other buildings and places and, and times throughout history. So it, we have been around for for some time. We've undergone a lot of changes, a lot of location changes, <laughs> a lot of name changes, and that's probably what has made it so confusing mm-hmm. over the years. Well, um, when people ask where did the museum start, it's like, well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very different now. Um, yeah, say so, how much time do you have? <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, we 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 eventually acquired. You know, the, the Maritime Museum, the North Carolina Maritime Museum, uh, acquired two other sites, uh, one in Southport in Brunswick County along the Cape Fear River, uh, and then w- one, uh, there was a museum that we had operating in Manio on Roanoke Island, and it was the North Carolina Maritime Museum at Roanoke Island. But eventually, we kind of traded that one, the one in Manio. We, we, that one eventually turned over to the town of Manio, and we picked up the Graveyard of the Atlantic Museum uh, down there in Hatteras Village, and that was about, um, let's see, two, 2000 and, I think 2008, maybe? Around, uh, 2007, yeah. Um, so we, we do have three museums. That's, that's kind of the, the short version of how, how, how we uh, ended up there on Front Street. I mean, I kind of simplified it, but. <laughs> All right, cool. Before we wrap up, do you yeah. like to tell people, like, it's completely free, right? Yeah, we're free admission museum. Uh, we're open 10 to 5, Monday through Saturday, 12 to 5 on uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, the Watercraft Center across the street is open. It does have a public viewing area. A lot of times in nice weather, the big double doors are open. You can stand on the sidewalk and, and look in, but otherwise you can walk around the side of the building through our harbor side deck uh, that we have uh, there as well and, and watch um, a volunteer crew and our boat builder working on restoring uh, wooden boats, building wooden boats. They teach people how to build them. Uh, now they build wooden kayaks. They build wooden stand-up paddle boards. Um, so there's a, a lot always going on. Um, you know, we, we, we have that property at Gallant's Channel, too. Um, now, mostly what takes place out there is a lot of events. Um, you know, the music festival happens out there. They do a summer um, drive-in movie theater thing in the summertime. Uh, and, and right adjacent to that property, uh, we have our natural science curator who is uh, working at the Whale Center, the Bonehenge Whale Center, um, and he is our you know, resident marine mammal expert and can teach people about whales and dolphins. Uh, he operated um, a uh, study program, an uh, overnight study program at Cape Lookout for a long time, um, and now the focus is more on the, the skeletal rearticulation and display of marine mammals to teach people about the whales and dolphins that swim by our coast. So we, yeah, we have a lot going on. You can schedule tours for the Bonehenge Whale Center. It's not officially open as a, as a public space. It's more of a, a working you know, environment, a workshop type facility, but you can still schedule a, a small group and, and the, uh, they'll take you through and show you what they're working on there. Um, some of his displays are in the museum. Uh, we have a large sperm whale hanging in the main gallery. There's a, dolphin skeleton, a pygmy sperm whale skeleton, and, and, they, and he actually sends the specimens to other 
institutions as well. I think Duke Marine Lab has one. NC State Center for Marine Science and Technology, they have one of his skeletal displays. We're always we're always kind of doing something. We're always kind of working on something. We try to change our exhibits out um, to keep you know, local people coming back. We offer a lot of educational programs. We do lecture series throughout the year. We uh, offer field trips to the surrounding islands. We do kayak trips and we bring in lots of school groups as well so that they can you know, gain an appreciation and, and learn about our maritime history, culture, and environment. Thank you all so much for joining us on today's episode of the Carteret County Public Library podcast. If you do get a chance to visit the Maritime Museum or the Watercraft Center, I would highly recommend it. Please join us next time on the podcast as we continue to unravel some of the history behind Carteret County. Interesting it was. I mean, Ben has got a lot of information. I'm going to tell you, he had so much to say. Yeah. And the fact that the museum has not only moved around everywhere, the, the names. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's gone It's gone through it, honestly. Yes. Just like us in Carter <laughs> County, we have gone through it. We've gone through some changes. Yes. And we love them all. Um, we wanted to point out, too, before we closed our podcast today, that we'll be closing for the Veterans Day yep. weekend. So we will be closed um, the 11th through the 12th, and we will see you back on that coming Monday. Right. So Friday and Saturday. Usually it's the opposite. It's usually yes. Saturday and Monday, yes. So, but this time it is Friday, Friday and Saturday. Saturday. And obviously we're closed on Sunday. Yep. But we will be glad to see you back on that Monday. Absolutely. And so if you happen to have any books that are out, just a reminder, we do not charge fines and fees. Yes. But if you do, just maybe hold off Mm -hmm. on that until Monday just in case if it does end up raining or anything. We don't want our books, and I know you don't want our books to get all messy. Right. So just go ahead and hang on to them, bring them back to us. We'll see you bright and early, 9 o'clock on Monday morning. Yay! (laughs) Um, So we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We'll see you in two weeks um, where Anthony's going to introduce another segment. He's going to continue his interview with um, Ben and talk about the history of Shackleford Bay, which is an interesting one. It is. Um, So until next time, we'll see you then. Bye, guys. Bye.